Welcome to another episode of Conversations with Lamp. I'm your host, James Lampion, and my guest today is an artist, educator, and winemaker, Mrs. Kyle Bark. Thank you for joining me. Hello. <laughs> How are you? Good. I'm, I'm good. I, I'm sure you'll be much relaxed since you already got your glass of wine in your hand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, this is this is my thing with with wine and um um you know, this is new for me. <laughs> uh new with this whole podcast and, and sharing my experience out loud cuz those who know me personally, you know, we talk about these things and I've uh I've been nicknamed like, yeah, the wine lady. <laughs> so, um I'm I'm happy to be here. So, thank you for inviting me to share this this evening this friday thank evening thank you for doing it <laughs> so let's let's start with it let's start from the somewhat beginning how'd you get it how'd you get introduced to wine okay well um drinking wine over 20 some years or more um you know i started out in my uh 20s after i graduated from virginia state uh, I moved to New York and, um, you know, doing a lot of bar hopping and going out with my coworkers, um, you know, trying different wines and spirits and what have you. Uh, I started out trying to do the heavy stuff, but I, I understood that that word spirit, you know, really does resonate because that spirit wouldn't it didn't mix well with my spirit, so, you know, through a lot of trial and error, a lot of error, um, you know, I started kind of easing up on, on different uh, brands and types of spirits that uh, were a little bit too much for me so early. You know, I, I didn't know what I was doing. I was just kind of young out there doing what I do. And um, I started out working actually at MTV um, when I was in New York. So you can imagine a lot of the industry parties that, um, I was introduced to and, you know, a lot, a lot of, of consumption and just, you know, hanging out. But, um, you know, those, those were my, um, those were my twenties. They were a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh so, yeah. The wine, the wine drinking started there. Uh, I, as I as I got a little bit more mature um, with that and knowing how to curb my my appetite, um, you know, I started understanding that I didn't need to uh, go so quickly and so hard, and I could just kind of chill and, and take it slow. But um, it, something happens, you know, as you get older. Obviously, I, oh, I started. Um, me and my husband got married and. We started our young family and, um, you know, life shifts, life changes. And uh, we moved to Baltimore, Maryland. And uh, we've been here in uh, Randallstown since 01. So, uh, yeah, we had two young kids. You know, they're not young anymore, 19 and 20. My son just celebrated his 20th birthday. And... Uh, yeah, a lot of, of me and my girlfriends, a few of my very close girlfriends, uh, we would get together as young moms and, you know, we were stressed, 
you know, it was a lot. I had two kids. She, she had two. Um, and, uh, we would just crack open those bottles and <laughs> kind of, you know, figure it out. Like what, what tasted good, what didn't work, you know, what, 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 uh, vibed well. So, uh, yeah, there were these babysitting moments. We live very close to each other. Don't, <laughs> don't get it twisted on that part. We live very close, but, um, you know, that, that's how that started. And, you know, the more and more you drink, uh, wine or anything, your, your palate or your taste changes. And, uh, you know, I started out early with, with the sweeter things. And, you know, I found out that, um, I liked it because I had a sweet inclination to sweet beverages. You know, I love Pepsi. I love Coke. I love, you know, anything, iced tea, you know, all those sweet beverages. And, you know, so when people talk about um, wine and uh, people just liking sweet wine, it's a natural start. It's a natural start. If you are a sweet beverage drinker, then yeah, you would probably like to drink a sweet Walter Red or, you know, a Moscato or something like that. You know, that, that's a normal thing. So um, that, that's where I started. And, you know, the more I drank, things just kept evolving. So. Is there like certain um, wines that you like that, that go with like certain dishes and things like that? Well, I think, I think everybody has a different taste palette, right? So for me personally, whatever I, I usually like, I have, I started out where I'd make food and I would kind of like, you know, if I was, if I was drinking a sweet wine, it, you know, it would be something more on a sweeter side. Like I'd have a dessert with, you know, I'd be having a sweet uh, wine with my dessert and what have you. But, you know, my, my younger palate didn't, you know, look to match the two together, you know, it was still growing and, and it had just started. So um, I didn't really think about what food would pair with this. I just knew that, okay, if I have spaghetti tonight, I'm going to have my sweet Walter. Okay. Mm -hmm. Or if I have this, I'm going to have uh, a Riesling, you know, a sweeter Riesling because you can have dry Rieslings too. But, you know, I, I didn't really think about like what would go well with each other. Um, I just didn't know like how to put the two together. But um, as I've gotten, you know, more mature with my drinking uh, and selective about, you know, the feeling that I'd like to uh, have and the experience I want to have together, um, now I can, you know, say, oh, yeah, like if I'm having some spicy um, uh, Mexican or something, I'm going to have something kind of chilled, you know, something that's got like a little crisp taste to kind of calm that, that, um, that extra spice to it. Or if I'm having like a steak or something, you know, and it's cold outside, like I really would like a really good, rich Cabernet Sauvignon, something that kind of, you know, feeds that. But, you know, there are so many different types of wine. I was at the store today and, you know, I have different um, wine stores that I prefer to go to. And I've gotten real picky about even that, like, you know, the price points versus selection and, you know, who has what and, you know, all those things just started to kind of like play into it. So, um, 
you know, now in my, my age of, of, and I'm not ashamed, 48 of, you know, years of life, I, I can kind of, you know, I can go in and, and be more particular about what it is that I want, you know, because it's like, it's like anything, if you were to, you know, like certain shoes, you know, uh, a sneaker connoisseur or, you know, people that like to buy certain types of shoes or certain brands, you know, you have those, those pairings or, you know, certain outfits that you want to have, you know, it, it's the same thing. It really is. It's, it's all about like understanding what your tastes are and what you like. And, you know, I learned um, another saying is don't ever yuck somebody's yum. You know, um, a new one. I, you know, I, I, I wouldn't say I'm a wine snob or anything. <laughs> and sometimes I would, you know, depending on where I am and what I'm doing and who I'm with. But um, what I like is what I like and what somebody else likes and how they like to pair it, that if that makes sense to them, then that makes sense to them, you know? So. We're going to, we're going to um, take, we're going to talk about your background in education because you're educated. So how long have you been in the education field? Well, I started, okay, before we moved down here, I, I, I started out as a substitute teacher in Harlem. Um, and I did that for a short, short time period. This was right. I left MTV because my parents and my parents' parents, I come from a family of educators. First mm -hmm. of all, let me back up. Um, you know, my grandparents, um, you know, all of them were college educated on my mom's side, I'm, you know, fourth generation college on my dad's side, you know, um, my dad, and then I'm second on his side, but they all went to HBCUs. They all went to colleges. Uh, they they went to, um, majority of my family went to Elizabeth City State University. That's in North Carolina? Yes, okay. yes. I thought I was going to Elizabeth City, but we <laughs> lived in Virginia, and my mom and my dad were like, no, that's out of state. <laughs> You're not <laughs> going out of state, we cannot afford it. You're gonna stay right here. 15 minutes away from home at Virginia State University. I grew up in Richmond, uh, Richmond Public Schools. Um, and I was like, oh, okay, you know, um, so that's what I did, you know. Back then, parent, you know, my parents told me, this is where, where you're going, you're gonna apply here and that's what's gonna happen. So I went there, but um, I majored in urban planning and my cousin at the time was the advisor and um, I didn't know anything about urban planning, but my parents- Can I interrupt? <laughs> I know, right? I'm all over what the is place. urban planning? Because I, I, I've heard the term, but I don't know what it is. Urban planning is basically uh, city planning. So people, you have departments for each city that pretty much decide zoning laws and decide what type of buildings and facilities and, and um, communities will be built and developed. Um, very progressive. Um, they're the ones who decide, you know, the lines of what buildings will go where, uh, looking at um, working with uh, city uh, organizations, community organizations, and, you know, having public hearings on erecting buildings and tearing down buildings and deciding you know where these these communities will erect and what part of these communities will dissolve 
um, a lot of government politics involved with that. But um, my, um, my point with that was I did ma major in it, but I did not pursue it for a full uh, career um, simply because I was bored. <laughs> mm. um, I didn't major as a, 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 an educator. I wanted to actually major in art. I, um, I, I was an artist in high school and middle school. Um, I, I had an aptitude for drawing and I knew that, you know, you, you don't really discover that you're good at something until someone else identifies it and mm -hmm. someone says, hey, that's not bad. Did you do that? You know, <laughs> and you're like, yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, then it turns into, yeah, I did do that. And it, you know, it came easy to me. So um, why didn't you major in it? <laughs> my dad did not want me to major in art because he didn't think there would be any money in it. You know, he wanted me to be a starving artist. So <laughs> that's, yeah. you know, it's funny. I, <laughs> I, it's, it's, okay, so I have a daughter. So, I, you know, I, I probably would have given her the same advice. Right. Yeah. But but the problem with that is you you're stopping the person from pursuing their passion. So it's kind of like a it's kind of like you 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 looking at the logic of it like cuz let's be honest is you know unless you you know you, I don't know if you really have to go to school for art to be a great artist. I mean, I could be mm -hmm. wrong, but you yeah. know it's, it's nice to have that backup plan. Mm -hmm. So I see what your father meant, but at the same time, while you're in college, you do want to be passionate and you want to have to wake up. You know, you got to wake up, so you want to go to that class. So right, right. it's a tough decision. But go ahead. Well, yeah, it is. And, and I understand what my dad wanted. I understand him uh, wanting to not um, see me in a space where, you know, I wasn't having that full potential or having the, um, you know, that type of career that would give me the lifestyle that he wanted for me and my family. Um, you know, he's, you know, old school conservative, you know, um, get a government, good, good government job, you good, you got a pension, you work 20 years in and out, you know, that's, that's his mentality. And I respect that, you know, um, I did try it. And, and I actually thought about doing architecture because I, I was always drawn to the um, visual side of it, you know. But at that time, I didn't really have the confidence to really kind of stick with that um, and try to really actively pursue it. So I went on and majored in urban planning and graduated. Uh, the, actually, the, the program dissolved because it was such a small amount of students in it. They actually dissolved it and we ended up getting our degrees in sociology with the concentration in urban planning. Oh. So, um, but I did put it to, to use for one year. I did. I worked for the <laughs> DC Housing Authority. <laughs> I did do that. So I did give it a shot. I honestly tried it. I it was boring as hell. I couldn't I couldn't fathom like coming in there every day, day in and day out. Somebody else probably would be very good at it, but I knew it wasn't me. So what made you, how did you make the decision to leave? Because that's a you know that you said you was with the DC Urban Planner, right? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's a, house, that's, District Housing Authority, yeah. So that's a government job, right? Yeah, I got the government job. <laughs> I did. I got it. I got the <laughs> I got everything. I could, you know, I could be retiring right now in DC and probably, you know, doing a, a totally different lifestyle. But would I have been happy? I don't think so. You know, yeah. I don't think so. So um, so I ended up uh leaving. That's when I got the job at MTV. And I remember the guy, uh, author, God rest his soul, he wrote my recommendation letter. The lady who interned underneath him, he used to be the press secretary, African-American man, author, I can't remember his last name, but he was the uh, press secretary for the Kennedys back mm. in the day, back in the day. And his uh, one of his interns, Jeannie Kiedis, um, this woman, she was the assistant director of, of um, communications for MTV Networks. She hired me simply because author said something and wow. um, I got the job. What was, it, what was it like when you told your dad you was leaving the government? I mean, at that point, he was like, as long as I had a secure job to go to, <laughs> I didn't hear too much from me. I mean, he was more concerned about me moving to New York, you know, uh -oh. about me living in New York City and uh, that whole thing, you know. But um, I, I'm an Aries, so I'm pretty much, once I have my head set on something, it's, it's you know, I'm going after it. I don't know if you're into astrology, but... I'm getting, uh, I'm getting into it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, me and my dad, we have a very interesting relationship. So, um, you know, he's very practical, very home, homebound. And um, I'm more of the adventurer. I've always been the explorer, the maverick, kind of just going out. And, you know, I'm the cardinal. So I, I go and fly and, and then I fall sometimes and I get back up and, and then, you know, make it happen. So... Uh, that, yeah, so that's how, how I ended up here. Guys, how did that make you two relationship being so different? It was, it, it, sometimes it was like oil and water, seriously. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's a whole different conversation. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, me and my, my dad, I didn't know I was going to be talking about him this evening. Uh, but, you know, he is, he has a role in my life that, I definitely have learned from and I learn with. We may not always be on the same page, but you know, we there's a love that's unconditional. And um he always still ultimately in his own unique way of expression, <laughs> I know he means he loves me. He loves me, and my family, and you know, the people that are in his life. So, you know, it's an interesting uh, perspective. He's a retired math teacher, very quantitative thinker, uh, empirical numbers, you know, completely uh, about the, the making sense of, of any activity, <laughs> you know? So it has to make sense in his mind. But that, that's, under, I mean, I'm sure now that you have kids, you understand where he was coming from. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. When you so when you got to New York, being an artist, New York is like a really good scene for artists. So, how did that help you in develop your development as an artist? 
Um, okay, so I put art on pause when mm. I went to New York. Wow. And I know, yeah, um, I had been doing art so much in high school and in college. A lot of a lot of um, uh, my friends and even some, you know, I was, I'm a part of uh, my sorority, Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. Um, I was always that go-to person for art to produce things. And I, I just, I grew exhausted. Um, so I, I stopped, I stopped doing art for, um, for about five years. No one knew that I could draw cause I, I purposely would not share it. Um, cause I felt like it was just like, I felt it was just too much sometimes. I mean, sometimes, you know, like it's, it's a gift. But then, you know, at that time, like I said, I didn't have the confidence within me to regulate and actually, um, you know, create those boundaries and even promotions within my own talent. You know, I was still young. Um, I was still trying to figure out my life and, and trying to figure out what, what I wanted to do. So um, I knew I was an artist, but I, you know, it was just a secret thing that, you know, me and, and only my close, close friends knew. So, um, I want to, so let me make sure I'm clear. Cause I, I want to make sure me and the listeners are clear. You felt you was given too much of your gifts and your talent. So it burnt you out. Is that what you're saying? Yep. Okay. Yep. Mm -hmm. I went through a burnout. Exactly. Mm. So, uh, I, I would still play with things and I would draw and I would sketch privately. I would not, it would not be a public thing. And, you know, we didn't have like the internet, like social media or <laughs> things like that. So private meant private, you know, it was my sketchbook. And, you know, like, you know, then my boyfriend, now my husband, he would see things like, oh, you should do something, you know, that, that looks really good. And I'm like, no, I'm good. <laughs> you know, it'd be like an itch or a yearn to, to create it in that moment. And then that'd be it, you know, but um, yeah, so I was there and, and, um, I, I just knew that, uh, you know, I enjoyed working in TV that kind of like grew a little old after a while. And, and then at, at some point, you know, at 28, I was pregnant and we, you know, had our first child. So something came, something just woke up in me with education and I don't know what it was because I had not planned on becoming a teacher because I, you know, my family were, were teachers. So I was like, why am I doing this? You know? <laughs> You know, so I started subbing up there and I started substitute teaching and then we decided to move to Baltimore when we got married because uh, my family lived in Virginia. His family lived in New York and Baltimore was a good halfway point and I had uh. family in Columbia. So we moved here. So it was an easy, quick, you know, transition as far as my career to go into teaching and I started my education. What what get what made you get your passion back for art? Because you lost it, and then you said you slowly started to get it back. Working with kids, you know, with 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 young people, they like to see you with your your shine, whatever it is. You know, young people, middle school. Um, I started out as an elementary teacher. That didn't work because I was too tired. I had young babies at home and <laughs> planning five subjects. I mean, elementary school teachers, kudos, they are the hardest working teachers because mm. they have to plan five preps every day. Um, I knew that I could only do one. So I, I started teaching and I went to middle school and um, 
you know, you, you gotta be crafty and creative to keep these kids attention. Yeah. And I just started drawing figures on the board to go with the text or the assignment. And they became like intrigued with whatever I drew to go with the assignment. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you just gotta use whatever you got, you know? And um, so that's how that started back. And I just would draw. And then something told me to, why don't you, why don't you start painting? Why don't you try to start painting? So I started painting. I was like, oh, okay. You know, it's not, it definitely, um, I didn't get the formal training in college. And I definitely can use classes to continue to improve it. But I was like, okay, I'm, I'm satisfied with this so far. <laughs> you know, I'm good with it. And here's the irony of this thing. So my dad, who told me not to go to school for art, is one of my biggest buyers. He buys, a, he makes me charge him for my artwork. And, you know, you, you might think, oh, you know, only a parent will love your art, <laughs> you know. But <laughs> it's actually artwork that other people would like to purchase but he wanted to buy it. So I, I always give them first dibs to buy. <laughs> you know, so that that's the, you know, the the payback. I think he he likes to know that, you know, he's feeding my spirit because he knew, you know, that he what he imparted on me, which you know, he didn't know. He was a young dad too. But he supports my my skill and um and it's good to know that my artwork is safe because their house yeah. is impeccable. So I never worry about like with you know with my art because I have a uh, I have a problem with letting go of my artwork. The one I, wait a minute, the ones you sell? Well, yeah. This I mean the ones I sell like you know that's my shit. Excuse me, that's oh, that's my art. You know, and it took a lot for me to do it. So it's hard for me to let go. I have a lot of artwork here that I haven't sold. And so, I don't sell it. so once you, so once, so once you sell it to the person, you still kind of attached to it. Yeah, you know what? There's a piece that I was commissioned to do back in '99 for a woman in Virginia. She was doing a play, and she wanted me to do this big, huge mural for the backdrop of her play. And the whole play's theme was about a woman who's dealing with schizophrenia. So the theme of the art of the piece was a little girl and a little and a woman sitting in a chair and the picture was actually like a ripped up, it was ripped. Like she was a little girl and a woman at the same time and it was ripped. And it was actually dated 6 right? So she paid me, you know, a little $200 back then. That was good for me, you know, um, and today that's good for me. But um, she paid that to me and um, I, I did the work. She did the play. Somehow that piece was left in a building. And back then I wasn't really focused on, you know, following up on things. That piece actually ended up going from one house to another house to a, 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 a yard sale and then to someone's home. Mm -hmm. And I lie to you not, that's like three or four different total strangers, right? My mother was, is also a retired uh, teacher. She went to her coworker's house 
she goes into her living room and sees my artwork up in the middle of her living room. <laughs> that was the piece that I created. And my mother was so astonished. She looked and she just like, she said, Kyle, I just almost fell out. And she goes, this woman who I work with has your artwork up. And I asked her, how did she get that? And uh, she was like, well, someone said that they, it was somewhere else and somewhere else. And then it was at a, a, a yard sale and I got it. Wow. And here's another irony of it. 616 is my daughter's birthday. She was born uh, two years later, two years mm. later, 616. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Okay, that's how things work. Yeah. You also do, don't you do like painting sips online or something? Yeah, I do those. I do. Um, so I started doing that uh, about five years ago. Um, you know, I, the whole thing with wine started, you know, really, um, you know, evolving. And I started saying, well, you know what, why don't I just bring the two together? And, you know, that whole paint and sip um, industry started really taking off. So I started creating, I started out with wine glasses. I wanted to create a, knit, a, a niche for, you know, some, you know, something that was different. So I started painting on wine glasses. And, um, and I, I started out working at um, Olive Garden. They would let me come in as long as people would come in and buy, you know, a plate of food or drinks or whatever. You could have your paint parties here. So, oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I started out with that, and um, it was good. It was good. Uh, it was a little inconsistent for me um, because sometimes I'd have like you know five, six, seven people, and sometimes I'd have only two people. You know, it'd be it, it, it was just kind of like back and forth. Um, so I, you know, I decided that I, I would just do like commission paint parties. Anybody who would like to hire me for it, I will do it like that because okay. it's a lot of work involved. Oh yeah. yeah. I've been to one. I've okay. Been, well, yeah. I've been to the paint and sip. It sounds like the same thing. So mm -hmm. It is. Paint. I don't, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm like the, <laughs> come to art um no that's not my that's not my gift you're a vocal artist okay yeah 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 okay, we'll, we'll okay. call me that because i'm definitely not a drawing artist <laughs> okay um, my, my daughter is not it, it's and did you move so were you doing online before covid or covid moved uh no i i was covid made me do this this first class that i just did this week online that was my first uh virtual paint party um, I was kind of nervous about that because when you go to those classes, you have such good instruction right there with you. If you have a good teacher, you know, helping you with, um, you know, making corrections and showing you like individual ways to make it. You have templates sometimes. Yeah. So, you know, I, I was kind of nervous about that, but I decided to keep it kind of general so that it wouldn't be, um, you know, too entailed or too rigorous for the students. And then, you know, the, the theme that we did was no justice, no peace, obviously with everything that's happening, you know, bringing that awareness to light um, and allowing students, we did it with Morgan State University for their uh, CASA students. They have a summer program for students coming into uh, Morgan. Um, you know, for them to have that expression. And I love seeing, that's the great part about those, those events. 
everything you do, you get like 20, 30 different renditions and interpretations. And you, you get to see your students really go into their zone and completely block out or they get real manicky and kind of like confused <laughs> and like really extra needy, you know, but you get the whole gamut, you know? So, um, that, that, that was the whole theme with that, you know? And now you've also ventured into winemaking. Yes. <laughs> so how that happened, um, you know, I, I, obviously I drink a lot of wine and <laughs> I know what, good wine tastes like and i know what not so good wine tastes like and feels like <laughs> mm -hmm. so um i was sitting and talking with 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 my husband and he just turned to me he's like why don't you make your own wine and label it and you know when you get one of those like simple statements and somebody says something or you have a thought and that light bulb just like bing, you know lights <laughs> up <laughs> and i was like yeah, but no, but yeah, yeah, I could, you know, because I'm a reader, I'm a researcher, I love like finding out. And I love, you know, I'm a career research and development teacher for ninth grade students. So all about research, knowing every part that I can find out um, is a part of me. But I don't have a vineyard, I don't have a backyard that has the acreage to grow that type of, uh, you know, amount, that amount of grapes and, and what have you. But um, I found out ways where I could make it happen. And I'm still learning. I'm experimenting. You know, I found out how I can get the juice. I found out how I, what type of grapes I could, could get access to. Like I said, I just started last year um, in 20... 18 in the fall and I actually produced a wine last summer and marketed it and you know and and as surprisingly people liked it and I was like what <laughs> what you know and I was like what is going on what is happening in my life but you know I'm still working on the business aspect of it and I'm still working on different recipes and I've made other batches that didn't taste good and <laughs> you know, I'm like no I have some stuff right behind me that is okay and I, I think I'm gonna play with it um, but those are my uh, prototypes over there that I just keep you know I might blend it with something else how just, long does it take to make a bottle okay so for me um, their process, the process is getting the actual juice. So if I were a actual, if I were at a, a winery, you know, you'd have to take years to grow the grapes. You know, you'd have to take years to actually produce grapes on the vine. And then you have to uh, pull the grapes and then de-stem and crush. Okay, so I don't have that capacity yet. So right now I buy fermented not fermented, uh, I buy pressed juice, or I will uh, use honey. Honey is, uh, you can make a honey wine, a mead. I'm, I've been playing around a lot with meads too. Um, you could use, I mean, you could take anything out of, uh, you can make peach wine. You know, I have a, uh, my uncle told me great, my grandmother, great grandmother 
or grandfather um, actually made watermelon rind wine. So, you know, dandelion wine. There's so many different ingredients that you could use to be a part of wine, but I have um, taken that, uh, used the, the juice, fermented. The fermentation could take anywhere from two weeks to a month, depending on, you know, like I'm using right now, I'm using five gallon buckets, like large, uh, these fermenting buckets, these, um, you know, food grade buckets. Um, that'll take, you know, depending on how much sugar is in the actual juice and, you know, how long the actual fermentation process goes, it could be anywhere from two to four weeks. Um, after that, I have to, uh, check what's called the, um, the original gravity um, well, I do the original gravity in the beginning, and then I go back, and you have to check to see if the juice has actually turned into wine. So you have to do another gravity read to make sure the yeast has consumed all of the uh, the sugars. Mm-hmm. So um, <clears throat> if it's settled and everything is good, then I can try to stabilize it, um, allow it to sit, and then I do what's called racket. And when you rack it, you're removing it off of what's called the lees or the sediment that settles at the bottom of the, um, the uh, buckets. And uh, you put it in another container, a carboy. Uh, I use glass carboys to um, uh, carboys like, imagine like a jug, like a glass jug, but it's like a five, six gallon glass jug. Okay. So you basically s- siphon the wine from that, that bucket to the actual um the glass okay and and at that point you know you're tasting it just kind of seeing what it is it's very rough kind of yeasty tasting um and then you want to do what's called uh clarifying you know some most wines like if you look at this it's very clear you know it's it's pretty white like i'm I'm sipping on this uh sauvignon blanc right now bahonic and um you know, you can see that all the way through, but when you actually ferment juice mm-hmm. and you get it out of the fermentation process, it's very, very cloudy. It's very cloudy. Oh. It's got a lot of sediment still floating around in it. So you've got to, you know, some people like that look. Some people, you know, very organic, you know, okay. uh, oh, I like it, I, you know, uh, I don't personally, I like the clarity <laughs> and most people that, you know, you know, that, that I know who like the wine, like the clarity. So you can either introduce clarifying agents or you can allow it to just sit and try to clarify itself. And which one you prefer? Um, I'm kind of playing around with it, with my meat. I've been kind of letting it sit. I, I haven't put any, um, any type of agents in it. So when I say agent, I mean like a clarifier, something you could use um, egg white, I believe mixed with salt, and you pour that in there and it actually um, pulls sediment down and it, it attaches. It's like a whole science project, you know, hmm. where these sediments actually attract to it and they, it settles at the bottom of the... Um, at the of the um, it, and it doesn't change the taste um no it's not supposed to but if you do it if i've been told and i've read that you know if if it's done um you know incorrectly it could uh weaken the taste of the wine it could 
Um, so I'm very like cautious of trying to take away from the naturalness of it. Okay. So, which is why I've been trying to learn how to do it without doing too much of the um, um, using clarifiers. Now you can buy machines that filter and that's my next purchase <laughs> where, you know, you can actually buy a machine and siphon it and filter it. And it, it just acts as a filter. You have uh, filter uh, pads that go in and it blocks anything from going through except for the actual wine. So that that's my next purchase. So you, so you're looking to eventually sell wine, correct? Yes. Mm -hmm. So my goal is to um, get obtain licensing um, first federally. You have to be federally licensed first, and then you can be licensed through the state. Um, and then, you know, I'm not rich. <laughs> I do not. You know, I'm a teacher. My husband right. works. <laughs> you know, he's he, we we're not rich people, but um, you know. So my goal would be the most likely to partner with a winery, an existing winery that would uh, kind of mentor and take me in. And there, you know, we obviously it'd be a profit splitting of, of a partnership. So with the goal of eventually one day me doing it on my own, you know, but I need help just like anybody else. You have to have someone there. So I'm looking at different options to be mentored and also looking at wineries that um you know are willing to uh partner with me on that so my my business plan is reflective of that um and start off small i want to i want to work with um a uh you know local market and then build from there you know work off with with just one or two barrels and build from there one or two varietals and build from there when i say varietals i'm talking about the type of grape i want to do a, a cabernet sauvignon or i want to do a, a shiraz or whatever you know i want to choose one red and one white and start from there so i want to work my way small and then build it i'm gonna i'm gonna end our interview with this question so Let's say a person came to you and said, I need the best wine possible and I need you to help me pick it out. What would be the wine you would recommend? One kind. One kind? It's going to be mine. Well, I mean, of course. <laughs> well, I mean, my, well, my one day will be, you know, on that, that level. But okay, but right now, currently, I mean, there, there are, that's like asking a musician, what's your favorite song? or asking like an artist, who's your favorite artist? <laughs> but um, like I have so, like I've had different favorites during different phases of my life. I started off as a Sweet Walter lover. Now, you know, I cannot do Sweet Walter. Right now, my preference probably, uh, hold on, I got, let me look on my phone real quick. I'm, I'm a cheat real quick. <laughs> I have a little library. You know, you got to have a library. Got to go to my wine searcher. Okay, so if I, one of my favorites right now is Louis Jadot, Jadot excuse me, Puy Fussy. And that is out of France. Um, they've been getting a lot of buzz lately. But um, that's one of my favorites. Um, let's see. I'm Lately, I've been into what are called old world wines. I've, I'm, I'm, those are like Italian and old French. Those are the old world wines. Um, but, you know, there are a lot of good 
new world. Like right now, I like the Alexander Valley. Um, Alexander Valley is out of California. Um, I, I'm really kind of vibing off of their stuff. And um, uh, oh, a local that I'm loving, and I'm not even a rose person, is La Fette du Rose by uh, Daye Burson. And he is an African American um, wine producer. Um, originally out of Baltimore, but I don't know where he lives now, but his wine is coming out of Saint-Tropez. Um, mm. So that's really, really good. And I actually asked today the place I go to for them to order it. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, there's too many. I, I feel bad because you're asking me something and, and there's like way too many wines right now that are that are check plus on my list. Well, that's okay. We got an idea which will be a good one. Yeah, yeah. So, the Drive Sisters. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's a lot of good stuff out there. So I definitely oop, go ahead. Play around with it. I definitely want to thank you for doing this. I appreciate you taking the time to to, to be on the podcast. Thank you. I really enjoyed talking to you. Let's make sure we tell the people how they can follow you. Oh yeah, so you can go to um, you can go on Instagram or Facebook to Yoshi's Art. So it's Y O S H I S A R T. I kept it as Yoshi's Art. Yoshi meaning good or fine in Japanese. So good or fine art, and now good or fine wine. So good name. Good name. Thank you. Well, thank you again for doing this. I want to thank the listeners who've taken the time to listen to podcasts and continue to support me. And then also, I have to put my following out there because sometimes I don't put it on there. Yeah. My following on Instagram was conversations underscore with underscore lamb. Thank you all for listening. Have a great day. <laughs>